I was checking our stats, and I realized it's been over a month. Since we recorded an episode? Yeah, this last time we recorded an episode. Yeah, it's been a little bit. I think we've been busy. Absolutely, we've been very, 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 very busy. I think that understates it. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, today, you know, by 12 noon, I literally looked at my to-do list, and it, it, I hardly got anything done. But I realized all the different things I accomplished, and it was, I got more done in, in the first eight hours of the day because I get up early. And I think most people would get done in a week. I'm beat. Yeah, I always get more stuff done early in the morning. So that first bit, that first sprint of the day is usually the most productive. Yeah, it is. Hey, listen, this is an oldie but goodie. Um, on May 24th, it was the golden anniversary of a, an event that took place on um, in Washington, D.C. And it was on the, um, the south lawn of the White House. And it was a party that was organized by Patricia, Pat Nixon, and Sammy Davis Jr. And it, uh, it was a, a, a golden anniversary of um, the, the, it's the golden anniversary of this event they put on, big giant tents, they had normal everyday American food, and was for all the U.S. prisoners of war, Vietnam. Okay. And they had a massive number of them show up, like almost a thousand. And uh, so they held the 50th anniversary on the grounds of the Nixon Library. Oh, okay. That's cool. Over 150 of these guys showed up. That's neat. And um, nobody ever talks about that. It's Nobody ever talks about all those little things. And one of the things I know that, you know, when you talk about somebody like Nixon, and I'm a big fan of his, he, he did things bad, no, no doubt about it. But when you say that, you know, some people are so knee-jerk reaction, you know, they equate him to like Hitler. Oh, he was just a modern-day Hitler. The guy had a lot of compassion and did a lot of, he, went, he would go and visit uh, troops quietly, and he didn't bring the press, just like uh, Bush 43 did. Yeah, it's an, yeah I, I, did, I had never heard of that. So Yeah, yeah it's a really cool thing. We want to we start talking about it today. I thought that was just something I'd bring up. 50th anniversary. There's, there's a lot of stuff that's happened. Um, is it uh, machine learning keeps scaring people to death, which to me is nothing but nothing short of hilarious. Um, what is the, the funniest thing I saw was some absolute genius in California decided to file a lawsuit against somebody, obviously on behalf of a client, uh, and he had Chat GPT help him write it, and it referenced case law and all kinds of things. And turns out most of the reference cases don't exist. Don't even exist. Don't even exist. Don't even exist. God, God help us. Yeah, it's pretty funny. The uh, I guess the when the, he was found out, the he was asked if he even checked if these cases existed, and his response was that he asked Chat GPT about those cases, and it 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 seemed to know about them. So he apparently wasn't trained or bright enough to pull, try and just look up the reference cases in Westlaw or anything. Just real real bright individual. So. I, I can't believe somebody like that would not be disbarred. Um, my guess is he will be disbarred or is pending, you know, whatever. The, you know, the reality is like, you know, he's going to be sued by both parties. <laughs> he's going to be, and, and he's going to have to go through uh, uh, potentially being disbarred. I would assume he probably will be, given how absolutely dumb it is. But anyway, so I'm sure some lovely precedent will be set because of this guy's tomfoolery, which is perfectly fine with me. I can never pronounce her last name, Carly, whatever her name with HP, ran for president. Fiorina. Yeah, Perina, the dog for show. Sure, yeah. Perina, sorry. Fiorina. Fiorina. She was on, I don't know if I told you this the other day, she was on just railing. She was calm, but she was just railing about chat. It's going to change everything. All just stupid stuff. Why did they, where did they dredge her up from? Uh, underneath the stage, she fell off. <laughs> He's referring to the fact that when Ted Cruz made her his vice presidential nominee, that if he got the Republican nomination when he was running against Trump, that uh, he, she would be the VP. She literally fell off the stage. <laughs> he didn't even miss a beat. Just looked over like, how the hell with you? <laughs> Gone. 
Yeah, it's a you classic get clip. That. I'm sure it's still on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, that's literally the last thing I remember of anything about her is I remember her falling off the stage in sometime, what was it, uh, 2016, 2015, whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 what wasn't funny, I mean, people fall off and get hurt. It, it was hilarious because, <laughs> it was, it, because it wasn't that it happened to her. It was that the reaction was almost non-existent. Yeah. So, yeah. That did it for me for Cruz. That was that was one of those things where like you got to be kidding me. Just yeah, you know we finished watching uh, Succession, and I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean it was one way to end it. Sure, uh, sure, half of people hate it, half of people think it's okay. I don't, I don't, I don't really have much of an opinion of it. It was it, to me, it kind of felt forced, but whatever. I didn't. I liked it. I, I thought it was uh, very apropos um, because I started thinking about the guy who got to uh, lead the merged companies. Um, he was always angling. He was always cutting deals. He he was he was the uh, he was willing to fall on the sword for the company. And I and uh, I don't know. I thought uh, I thought it ended perfect. She was a uh, uh, she she is what she is, and the boys are the boys. And I, I like he always said that's not. None of you worth a warm bucket of piss, and I think it was good. Uh, yeah, I think it was interesting. The it definitely perfectly exemplified corporate culture that the uh, slimiest snake who's willing to throw his own marriage under the bus to achieve higher status in corporate America is the guy that's going to reach the chief executive officer's role. That's that's for sure. Well, the limited number of people I've met that. Or bureaucrats in the world, that seems to be the case. At, uh, <clears throat> sorry, it just is what it is. What I also will tell you is that there's a, uh, an interesting thing out there where a lot of people are equating that show to the resurgence on a public level of um, understated quality. In other words, you didn't see anybody with big logos on their shirts. You didn't see gaudiness. It was, everything was very high quality, very 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 well done understated luxury sure and um one of the things uh i knew a lady years ago 100 years ago and she bought every gaudy piece of jewelry on the face of the earth and i just you don't do that <laughs> you yeah well I, I welcome to uh welcome to the real world people are very disconnected like the difference between your regular media and um reality is uh quite quite a big uh, quite big yeah, most people live in this very strange, uh, I don't know, modified Hollywood uh, influencer world where everybody's driving a Lamborghini and have these ridiculous mountaintop mansions. And like most wealthy people do not live anywhere near to these insane lifestyles. And people wonder why they, these people churn through mountains of generations of wealth in a matter of just a handful of years. <laughs> Well, it's like that TV show Dallas. You and I were talking about that, you know, the J.R. Ewing thing and, and how uh, it influenced uh, culture and life back in the, uh, in the 80s. And you had that uh, Robin Leach lifestyle, the rich and famous. And yeah. Like, no, people don't live like that, although now. <laughs> I mean, some do, but, you know, it's, it's limited and usually it's very short-lived. Well, they're making money off the wannabes. And, oh, yeah. You don't, of course, I don't think a lot of people of any intelligence would go to Mexico and have cement put in their bottom to make it bigger. Not knowingly, but that's what ended up happening to a lot of people. Did you see where that one woman got charged with murder? No, I did not. <laughs> She's a uh, nurse practitioner, and uh, she was uh, going and flying from Miami to uh, Los Angeles to uh, do those butt implant injections or whatever. And uh, yeah, some woman died and it was toxic, whatever the thing was, and just got into her system and killed her. Yeah, just the whole concept is baffling to me, but whatever. Before we get into our usual topic of uh, what's going on with uh, Russia, because we tend to do a lot of that. Um, did you see about the guy who bought Trump bucks and is now bemoaning that he's broke? No. <laughs> so they've been peddling Trump bucks, and they're emblazoned with a picture of uh, Donnie, and um, they're on t online being advertised. Yeah, I, I've seen that. And it's like a 
you know, you, you, you've got the golden ticket if you, you buy this thing and it's going to propel him to his 2024 win with, uh, with everybody. So anyhow, this guy, this guy, his name is John Amon, A-M-A-N-N. Why he would ever give his name on this, I have no idea. So he got on NBC News and he's bemoaning the fact that he really needs money. He, he's in a bad, bad way. And he bought $2,200 worth of <laughs> Trump bucks the past year. And now he's like shocked to discover that he took them to his bank and they told him they're worthless. Wow. Yes, I recall seeing these a few times on advertising related to Trump's Twitter clone website and other places where people, his supporters congregate. It's, um, I remember looking at them a few times going, if they're advertising, somebody must be buying, but what the hell is this stuff? Why, who, who's buy, who would buy this? But apparently we found out who. We have people who think it's equivalent to currency. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I, it, it, there's just dozens and dozens of, of posts. There's supposedly hundreds of complaints on this thing, and, and people are... Well, I mean, it's pretty clear. I mean, if, you, if you're not aware that uh, some crap somebody printed up in their basement is not real money, then I guess, you know, you kind of deserved what's coming to you. I don't, I don't know what to say about that one. Well, here's the thing. I, apparently, some of these Trump bucks were actually printed by Trump direct or indirect organizations. Doesn't surprise me. And he, the guy says, uh, now I'm questioning whether he's aware of this. And then a repeated attempts to reach a spokesperson for Trump and his re-election campaign by email have gone unanswered. No evidence suggests the alleged scammers are connected to Trump or his re-election campaign. <laughs> mm, I mean, Trump was the guy that was sending out, you know, gold club, platinum gold, you know, cards and things like this to people. Uh, I kind of have a recollection of Trump bucks or something like that being associated with the campaign, even if it was like one step removed. Um, no, this does, this is perfectly within their typical sphere of uh, stuff they would do. Whatever. Apparently some people really buy it. <laughs> Yesterday we had a uh, fantastic uh, lunch and uh, we were, uh, Talking about, I think I brought up the those that guy in Australia in particular who created his own tools from scratch, and you're kind of going through. I think these YouTube video guys are are absolutely amazing. Just pick up on that because I've got a cute thing here. Um, yeah, there's a YouTube channel called Primitive Technology. Um, we were talking about it yesterday. Um, is it's not that the guy makes YouTube he makes um, YouTube videos, but it's not that he makes tools. It's that he's making things without tools. He's starting from scratch to make, you know, how, how to how to do everything as if you were a caveman, basically. And what it, the thing to, the thing that it proves to me is one a lot of the stuff is really basic. Uh really the things that he does that are interesting are the you know multi-order mixing of, of basic concepts and you realize how powerful it is. And granted this is just one guy someplace in the bush in Australia. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's very interesting to consider people talk about the cavemen and this and that. And as, as time goes on, the, it becomes very obvious, especially as more as, uh, excavated and more archaeology is done. There's almost no point in time where humans were cavemen or were uh, these systemically uh, trapped hunter-gatherers that could just never get out of a cycle of just surviving off of the land. But son, wait a minute. That's not true. We, we all evolved from tadpoles. We crawled up on the ground and we lost our tails, and then we became cavemen and we fought the Neanderthals. It was the first civil war. Sure, all that may have happened, but, the, <laughs> but in, in the grand scheme of things, the point is that the, the, it shows you how quickly, even with no tools, you can start building a more, somewhat of a semblance of, of modern society you know, houses and storage buildings and all of the things that we attribute to modern infrastructure how yeah it takes a lot more time and there's a lot more effort that goes into it but once you have these things they last for a while it enables you to focus on other things you know they're force multipliers in your in in your efforts and you know this guy in particular is very interesting because it's like i said it's just one guy 
Now imagine if you had 10 or 20 people all working together, which is the magnificent, you know, social technology is the thing that set apart uh, modern homo sapiens versus all of our uh, predecessors. It was our ability to work together and leverage groups and then ultimately specialize in certain things, right? That's, that's, that's the th- that is the one thing that set us apart from Neanderthals or, or, any, or any other you know, c- uh, creature that we may have cohabitated with on this planet, which at one point we probably at least were maybe half a dozen. So, Yeah, you simply told a story about uh, how he used uh, a stream and gathered. I don't, I don't remember even what you, what, uh, you said yeah. of how he did it. And it was just, it was, I found it fascinating. Yeah, I mean, he I has love videos he, like that. He that, has some more. That whole series. Yeah, he has some more advanced videos where he's talk, He's showing um, capturing uh, iron bacteria, I believe, uh, flowing through a creek or whatever, and he then separates that from clay and does a whole bunch of processes basically to, ter- to turn that iron bacteria into little iron spherules that you know, it takes a ton of effort to get just a few grams of iron, but then once you have enough of that, then you can start to combine that together and start to make something that resembles a modern tool. Yeah, and then you were also mentioning how a lot of the sores from way back in the day were meteor-based. and Yeah, because it's one of the few places you could get a lot of fairly high-quality metal in, in, in general. Uh, because before people started... Just think about, you know, as civilization and as, as we evolved, you're walking around and exploring and gathering things and whatever. You start to gather the shiny things that you find on the ground, right? Right. And over time, you assume that there is an absolute ton of fairly easy-to-collect uh, meteoritic iron, basically. Well, it's not technically iron. It's, it, it's pure iron, as in, like, you know, industrial uses like we would want. It's really a mix of a whole bunch of different materials and metals, and that also comes with different properties as well. But yeah, so some of the most ancient historical swords and tools that we've come across um, were these what seems like uh, meteorite-sourced steels. Some people hypothesize that that's because it's one of the only ways that they could get metals back then because they didn't have an understanding of metallurgy and how to do these things but at the same time i i I think that it was more along the lines of these are just the ones that survived uh again because they didn't have complex metallurgy that they could make things like stainless steel and stuff that didn't just corrode away within a few years that's a, a huge problem with your bronze and copper tooling there's an assumption that this is what they were using but in a lot of cases it's it's been long enough that the stuff is either soft enough that it wears away over time or, you know, corrosion elements have their way with the, uh, with the material. The reason I brought that up is that there is a um, article here that I've been looking at and it's uh, called, uh, does Gen Z lack basic home owning skills? Yes. And it talks about how they don't know how to do things and not, not everybody. But um, they've been living in these bubbles, renting. Their parents didn't teach them anything. Um, they're a complete wreck when it comes to owning their own home. They have to call people to do everything for them. And um, when they do go online, they're looking for fatherly advice YouTubers. <laughs> and that's why I thought about. That's funny. Yeah, on Sunday, I, or yesterday, I guess Monday, I thought about uh these people that show you know, how to clean a gutter, how to unplug a... I mean, everything's online. I tell everybody, if you want to learn how to do something, just go to YouTube. Obviously, we like to read it, but I do the same thing periodically. Like, okay, who's made something interesting on this thing? Yeah, it's it's interesting. It shows you how little responsibility most, most people have been given for anything. But yeah, problem-solving skills in general among the younger generation is, is a serious problem that I see. Um, I mean, I've even seen a few articles where people are talking about the uh, massive gap in um, computer skills and competency between Gen Z and millennials and how that's going to be a real problem going forward because there's a lot of 
white collar jobs that require a decent proficiency with computers that, you know, just kids don't have at all. Well, let's They're, go on. Let's it, talk about that. But yeah. first I want to, I want to tie that also in with uh, Ukraine because I think it's a, it's a marvel what's going on over there. But it says here, older men, uh, older man sharing their skills in a video form has allowed uh, the creation of a massive online lo- uh, library of tips, tricks, and taking care of your home and properties, even if you don't necessarily know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> uh, people have learned how to change a tire, for example. People don't know how to change tires, so they go to YouTube and watch it. Um, if you've never done it before, just go to YouTube and uh, they sh- how to unplug your washer from the wall and to uh, rebuild a shower floor. And uh, so it, it's just... Um, Older generations are giving Gen Z an education by going to uh, to YouTube. That's a yeah. I, I think that highlights more than anything the lack of um, community that most people grow up with these days. Because I was just thinking, how do you uh, absorb these skills, these these abilities, and it has to do with children being around people who are doing these things. And that's how I, I picked up most of this stuff as stuff was going on. You just talk to people, observe people. Somebody wants to show, you know, most most people with skills that aren't on a hard time deadline are more than happy to sit around and explain things to kids. And, you know. Do you remember your first cross fence that you uh, built? First what fence? Uh, fence. Uh, Four board fence with hog wire. Uh, yeah, horse fence. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know which one was first, but. I remember doing it many times. I think the very first time was here at the office. Remember the bubbles we hired from uh, Levy County? And uh, I said, hey, you want an extra hand? You went out there and you worked with them the whole time. And yeah, yeah. You learned exactly how to build a fence. Yeah, it's not hard. And we've rebuilt fences. (laughs) Several, yeah. Yeah, when you have a ranch, you got to rebuild fences, that's for sure. But, you know, it's just absorbing those things, you know, absorbing and observing other people doing those things, even if you're not doing it yourself. And because everybody has a glowing screen in their pocket or their hand, uh, it just continues to, you know, people are not observant. They're not absorbing these things that are going on around them. They're not getting involved in stuff just because they're bored. So, of course, it's, you know, it's, it, this is probably one of the key factors behind why people don't have any problem-solving capabilities. I mean, they don't, not that they don't have any, but they're very, by comparison to somebody who's over the age of 40, under the age of 40, they seem to have very, most people seem to have a pretty difficult time solving complex problems. And over the age of 40, it seems like, in general, obviously, extreme extreme generalities here. Uh, you know, you just start, you just break the, break the problem down into pieces and try and work the problem and figure it out the best you can. But, you know, obviously, computers are a huge part of that. A good example is obviously, like, you know, you've had entire generations of people complaining about math oh, you know, people are bad at math and then everybody complains that they hate doing math and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, you know, people don't realize basic mathematical skills that are necessary to do basic, really basic things like you know, calculating your inventory at a small warehouse or, you know, calculating people's paychecks and commissions and all kinds of very simple things. People can't do it. Nope. So they rely on a spreadsheet. And then you get to the point where people can't even manipulate the spreadsheet because they can't use a computer because all they've ever used is their phone. <laughs> oh, listen, you know, the old joke was you, you give the, you know, somebody's got a, a, you know, a bill and you give them cash and to round it up and they can't, they can't figure out how to do that. Oh, That's, yeah. Nobody that, even knows what cash is sometimes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, no, no, literally nobody knows. Nobody can do, uh, nobody under the age of 50 can quickly you know, do, do change in their head. It's just not a skill anybody has anymore. Uh, the computers have been telling everybody how to do it, exactly how, exactly what things to pull out of the register for 20 years now. So. Yeah, and listen, for all of you who are under the age of 50, you're under the age of 50, 40. Um, we're not, I'm not ragging on you. I'm just telling you your parents probably screwed you over by not actively getting involved in your education and teaching you things, in my opinion. It's just a general condition of modern society. Condition of modern society, in my opinion, we have anybody in the school system listening. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah, we've already upset everybody in the school system. I can guarantee you that. You know, I'm going to tie 
military service. I'm going to tie the draft, and I'm going to tie this into internships, apprenticeships, and these stories where they take uh, wayward children and they put them in wagons. They go across planes to... You've seen stories like that, right? You know, uh, Jamal is a armed robber and, and rapist, and they let him, you know, work a farm, and he suddenly has a breakthrough, and he now is you know, a fine upstanding farmer of society. But I really do believe, because, I mean, I grew up this way, and I've, you, you and I, you know, I've, I've let you do things, and everybody. I think there's so many kids out there and adults now today. They've never been on a farm. They wouldn't know how to milk a cow. They've never seen anything born. Um, they just don't have a sense of, of life and death. Uh, they couldn't plant anything to save their life. And it's, it's not being mean about it. It's just there's no context because they lived in a bubble. They did Farmville rather than going out and learning to pot anything and how you get root rot and how you got to circulate your crops. I, I think it's, I think if schools legitimately in this country wanted to get um, good citizens, you would actually have summer programs that you actually had to, kids had to be involved in those kinds of things like 4-H and and when I was a kid, you had to run the, the school um, canteen. You know, you sold pencils and racers. Sure. And we did that kind of stuff, you know. You, I just, none of that stuff is done anymore. I mean, I, and I get it, you know. Wow. I had the old man's talking. Nobody uses, you know, manual typewriters anymore. But sometimes you got to know where stuff comes from. Well, but that's, that's a, that is a problem with technology. And I've had this conversation with several people this week that, the issue boils down to where, at what point is too much abstraction completely devolving? And in technology, I see this all the time. You know, people people are working on they're they're working on something that is so so far from the bare metal of anything. They're ten ten abstractions uh, away from the thing that they're manipulating. They have no concept of what they're doing anymore. They're detached from reality. And that's what a lot of this AI chatter is about. People have heard about AI their entire lives. You know, this, this concept of robots and stuff is, is older than anybody alive today. Uh, but, you know, the assumption about these technologies is, by the average person, the capabilities of these technologies is basically stuff that they've read in sci-fi books and movies. Well... They've seen in sci-fi movies and TV shows. Nobody reads books. Um, you know the same the same portion of the population uh, that buys books. Well, let me rephrase that: the same number of people that buys books and reads books today is the same that did a hundred years ago. That just shows you how how poorly educated the average person is by comparison to years ago. It's uh, scary, but anyway. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a problem. I mean, you know, if you if you do not have the time to understand the the trap that you're walking on top of, things can go wrong really really quickly. And and this is um, this is a conundrum, right? This is a conundrum. You can have your magical uh, you can have a magical toilet that is run by you know your Amazon Alexa, and so uh, <laughs> you, you tell it to flush and got all these motors and electronics and stuff in it but at what point can nobody repair it or anything it's just your your abstractions away from such a basic fundamental problem i mean yes yeah, the movie idiocracy this goes in your mouth no no it goes in your butt no no it goes in your mouth yeah but it's like but my point is like with a toilet it's like oh wow we're, we we need somebody over here that knows the to debug the software for the thing cuz i don't even know how to do that meanwhile what do you need you need a plumber to pipe the pipes clogged you know people don't even know where they're what they're focusing their energy on anymore they're you know looking down dark hallways because nobody knows where anything is or how it all works and that's the thing i'm seeing more and more and more of uh thing it, it really boils down to it's over specialization of everything in society um i mean a, a good example of this for anybody is like go, go to a Publix and look at how many different kinds of mayo or mustard or ketchup there are there it's like my god like and then try and compare and contrast them like i get it this isn't this isn't like a uh a, 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 a communism we only need one kind of anything type of rant but uh 
but there comes a point where it's like, I do, do you need 18 different kinds of mustard? I don't think so. Although yesterday we had a very good mustard. What was that? That was like a peppercorn? No, it was a whole grain mustard. It was very, it was different. It was different. It was very different. It was good. But point point though is just like, you know, you can have, we're getting to the point where it's like, oh, somebody's going to successfully make a store called the mustard store because they have that many kinds. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, you're, you're, you're so far from the point here. The point was to go to the store and get a few things that to eat that are going to provide enough calories so that you can get to next week to get on with your life and whatever. The whole point was not to sit around and, you know, figure out what the best kind of mustard in the world is. That's, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, you know, at what point is, is everybody spending too much time on stuff that doesn't matter, I guess is really what my, my analogy here is boiling down to. And that's what is going on. A good example I remember seeing in them, I've mentioned it before, but there's a great YouTube show called uh, The China Show. It's two guys that used to spent over a decade each. It is a good, it's a good, it's a good channel. The China Show on YouTube. Yeah, and they do a show every Friday, and their most recent one, they were showing uh, literally mountains of bicycles in different cities in China, how the Chinese government put all these incentives out there to create all these e-bikes, Oh, you know, electronic, by, you know, rent by the minute or whatever, bicycles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so all this grant money went out to these companies, and they, I think they said at one point they were making 70 million of e-bikes a month. Oh my God! They that. and one of them had video from when they lived in China, just walking down the street, and it was like it was like every sidewalk in this city, which is a city that what I think it's forty million people live there. Everywhere he was going, it looked like it was a bicycle shop. They were just everywhere, and then they showed how they cracked out. Like well, well, the company started to go bankrupt, and they merged and whatever, and the subsidies ran out. They were saying there's basically two companies left that do this. And the waste is ridiculous, and they were showing the basically the air quotes storage facilities that they have for these spare parts, I guess, for these bicycles, and literally mountains, like hundreds of feet high, like size of massive dumps. You know, except all there, number is, one. all there is is bicycles, and it's just the waste involved continues to prove my point. Is like just because you can doesn't mean you should. Maybe producing 70 million bicycles a month is a little excessive. Maybe the whole country of China is not going to be renting bicycles by the minute to travel everywhere. Well, those ghost cities have got to continue to be a problem over there. It's just, that's just one aspect of it. I mean, you know, this... I'm saying because the population growth is not what they said it is. It's actually declining. That's, that was never what the ghost cities were built for, though. Oh, no, I understand. I understand what they were built for. You can elaborate, but I'm point being is that they... They can deny it and hide it all they want, but you still get people that get over there and take videos and they're just falling down. Oh, no, it's, it's terrible. No, they, they, the ghosts, this is something that people don't understand from a, a Western perspective. Those Chinese ghost cities were never built to be inhabited. Yeah, a few people live there to maintain things and hopefully uh, keep people from burning the place down or whatever maintain some small semblance of order, but they were built as investment properties. Um, in China, if, if a house or an apartment or condo has been lived in, like it's worth, it's worth less than one that is brand new and has never had a piece of furniture in it. So these ghost cities were literally built as, you know, built on spec as investment apartments slash homes. And it's insane. The, if you do, I mean, imagine building something in the middle of nowhere that nobody will ever visit because there's no way to live in this place. And we're talking literally, just so everybody knows, places like Tibet literally have ghost cities. I mean, not that far away, but but you know. on the border. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, the the map I've seen with most of these places, they are within uh, five hundred to a thousand miles of the Chinese east coast. Okay, but I, I, I know for a fact that there are some so far out. There's a couple of places out there. Uh, you know, I'm saying Mongolia, way the hell out there. They, they've got some of these things like the idea was it was supposed to be a manufacturing hub. You know, Shenzhen and various other things were supposed to come out that way. And like, just to, oh, no. It's not going to happen. Anybody it, who thought it, that it was It was all drugs. part of that, that Belt and Road thing and, you know, 
Well, yeah, there is infrastructure along those those routes. That is true. Um, but no, I mean, but the ghost city phenomenon in particular is a little bit different from that in that these places were never supposed to be inhabited. They were purely investment properties. But what I was saying a second ago is, you know, imagine you have a place that's built 20, 30 miles away from anything else. It's way out in the middle of nowhere because that's where land's cheap. And the incentive is to do what I said. It's to build pieces of property that are investment only. Well, where's the incentive ever going to appear to build anything that is going to last more than 10 years? just isn't. And that's how you get the crazy stuff of these buildings, literally the, the pilings you know, collapsing from underneath the weight because they weren't engineered or, or built properly. You have you know, the facades and finishes of these buildings just falling down. And this is stuff this, that's built shoddily. Uh, like on purpose, uh, you know, you can go into cities. I want this, this show in particular, they, they showed yet another clip of uh, basically the facade of a multi-story apartment building collapsing and, you know, tons of concrete and whatever other material you slap on the side of a building. Um, literally just it, it, gravity finally had its way and ripped it off the, rifted off the side of the building because it wasn't built well. And it just collapsed on top of a bunch of people and their cars and stuff below. Oh, yeah. That happens constantly. Well, the one thing I was shocked at, and I've seen videos, you and I've watched them, where when the, when the facade falls apart and the building begins to collapse, there's hay bales in there. They literally yeah. put hay bales and then they, they cement it over them. Yeah, I mean, they, they will cut. There is, China has a very disturbing culture cutting corners especially in public infrastructure. Um, we talked about this the other day. There's a 2021, I believe, there was a tunnel, big fancy tunnel someplace that was... Oh, the one where three people were killed? Yeah, I think they said there were like 12, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they said, oh, a handful of people were killed in it. It had recently been opened. It was whatever. Uh, turns out people on the ground there say that hundreds of people died in this thing. Because it was in the middle of rush hour and it was full of traffic, but yeah, you know, like a dozen people got killed. Sure, you know, it's China has mass scale atrocities and cover ups of mass deaths due to accidents or other things all the time, and it is really, really disturbing that anybody would invest any money in that country um, because they just they lie, cheat, and steal, and that's just their mo. Because no, there is a systemic problem, just like Russians. They're, they're, they're well, cut it's from because the same they, cloth. It's because they have. There's multiple problems here, but but one of the big problems is especially when it comes to how they handle foreign investment and foreign investors. Um, I wouldn't trust anything that they do or say purely because they have an ethnic elitism that is a massive blind spot for them. I mean, you know, the worst cartoonish, silly, you know, extreme version of, of like Hollywood's extreme white supremacy type thing that you would see, mm. like that is kind of the standard MO for Chinese people. They literally think they're better than everybody else. China number one. And because of that, they, that's, they just, they, they use that elitism, that self- superiority to justify horrific things that they do, not just to other people, but you know, economic criminality. Yep. And, and it's a real problem. And COVID obviously has, has shown, has shined a lovely bright light that is not disinfecting anything quite yet because a lot of people kind of seem to ignore this or look the other way. But uh, I think the, I think the reality of that situation is, is continuing to happen. I mean, a good example, like people are saying, Oh wow, the Chinese economy is not coming back as fast as everybody thought it would. Oh look, they're not able to fulfill all these factory orders and China's inability to do the things that everybody relies on China to do post-COVID turns out is um, causing a lot of the much more aggressive aspects of the recession we're looking at. Shocker, shocker. There's only so much inventory across the world to cope and 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 fill the gaps for how we do things. Yeah. Well, I have something along the same lines. I'll do a quick little change of, uh, of a little sidebar here. I'm going to say this a couple of times so everybody gets it down. I want you to go online to Orlando Fox 35. Okay, Orlando Fox 35. Now, 
their title is New Video Shows Deadly Shooting Inside Florida Applebee's Restaurant. New Video Shows Deadly Shooting Inside Florida Applebee's Restaurant. Okay. Now, this is something... Shooting I, inside an Applebee's. I'm sure this one's going to be real good. Yep, it, this is good. So I actually watched the video after an insane number of commercials. I wanted to see this thing, right? And I watched a video, and they showed the talking head, the guy and the gal. One was white, one was black and female. They had the perfect mix. Couldn't tell who was who or what was what, okay? Okay. Yeah, I'm just laying it out for you. And they laid out the scenario of what happened. And they had a field reporter. And this little girl was doing a talking head report, okay? Now, here's what happened. According to the talking heads and the video, you had this guy and he loses his cookies at another restaurant right nearby. So it's in the International, wherever it is at. It's in Lady Lake. I'm sorry. I, I back up. This is in Lady Lake. The news reports out of Orlando Channel 35 Fox. So he's shooting up his gun. Boom, 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 screaming at people. He's like, he's lost it. Now, the background, before we go further, is he's been arrested for violent behavior, shooting at people. He's shot people before, okay? And Roscoe's, Roscoe's a problem. So these people run to Applebee's, and they, they lock the door, and they're, they're inside. Shelter they, in they, place, yep. They didn't confront them. They ran away. Yeah. So far, so good. Somehow, some patron unlocked a door and either I left. I heard about uh, this, yes. Okay. Now, this is really some, good. Some idiot. Unlock the door. I, yes. Yep. Now, I have to give, throw the race stuff now because it'll all make sense. The guy who's shooting a gun is a black guy. He has dreadlocks. He's big and he ain't happy. You can tell by the video. Okay. And everybody, including his family, says that, you know, he, he's got problems. Okay. Ready? Okay. In the Applebee's, young white couple, white guy, sitting at a booth trying to avoid any issue. The big guy comes in and he is screaming at him. Who called the police on me? I'm going to shoot you and everything else. He starts taking things out of his pocket. And then if you look really careful and I slowed it down, cause it's not that good on, on, t you know, on the internet, but he puts his hand in his pocket and he's going for something. And I thought, well, yeah, you got smoked as you were pulling your gun. Now he was unarmed. The gun was, he left the gun outside, whatever. But the guy sitting in the booth, young, blonde, white guy, he's in his 20s, has a concealed carry permit. He's like, oh, poopy doobie. He pulls his smoke pole, boom, fires one shot, kills the guy, dead on the doornail, right? Bang, done. Okay, so that's the actual thing. On the TV, they, they call it just the way it is. They, they do a straight-up report. That's not the point, though. The point is when you read the article on Channel 35, it is written as if it's a bleeding heart, white supremacist shot this unarmed black man. I started thinking about this, and I said, wait a minute. Why would the written item on Channel 35 be so different from the video? It doesn't make any sense. Then I started looking at other videos of a similar type nature. They're all that way. Now, I suspect people who are, we're going to call them mega Trumpers, are video watchers. Yes. And people who like to read tend to be a little bit more liberal. Generally speaking, yes. That I've seen that data. You saw the video. Video, they, they reported it straight up on, on 35. But the writing, it looked like it came from the Washington Post. I, was, I thought that was so amazing. And I, I, here's a point. Do you remember years ago before anybody talked about it, I kept saying, I'm telling you, your devices are listening to you. And I could prove it. And I did my John Wayne thing and all that. I just think things like that, when you can sit back and go, um, dude, <laughs> something ain't right here in Denmark. I think that's interesting. I think it's, to me, that's a really amazing insight that I stumbled on. Maybe that's old news, but. I, I haven't heard that before. And to be honest, it's traditional mainstream news sources other than some very obvious basic stuff. I avoid like the plague. Um, but that makes perfect sense. I mean, I've seen the data that shows exactly what that phenomenon you are that you've observed there is data to justify that behavior though yeah i mean you know so, so you know and i know 
and, and for anyone listening to our podcast, we know a lot of our listeners because there are a lot of them are clients of ours and they get back to us and they say things. And of course, Mike will always find something. I said something wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to advertise my peated whiskey coming up for my birthday. Don't worry, Mike, I won't advertise for that. <laughs> uh, but it is, is New York's, New, York, New York's finest. But here's the thing. People that listen to podcasts tend to be a little smarter than the average cat. People that read books tend to be a little smarter than the average cat. Uh, people that watch evening news and especially... Uh, well, it's not just uh, intelligence. It's, it also has to do with like attention span. Yeah, you know what? I'm, um, I'm just dumping all of it into the yeah. whole thing. I mean, you know, with, with younger people, uh, with the advent of TikTok and stuff like that, I mean, if your instruction booklet on how to put the... The, the bookcase together is longer than a TikTok video. They're not going to be able to do it coming up. So I'll just like, remember that girl, I'm not gonna give her name, but she was like, Oh man, you need to advertise on TikTok. That's the place that's happening. Who is so cool? <laughs> okay. uh, I no. mean, you're, you're not wrong, but the problem is we don't sell, you know, trinkets and workout equipment and, you know, like consumer goods. So if we did, yeah, TikTok is TikTok is really great for getting in front of those people, I guess. Well, I am uh, about 70%, 80% done with my book that I'll be uh, publishing. Cool. And uh, it is uh, very, very cool. And uh, it all has to do with uh, getting older and a very certain thing. I'm not going to uh, talk about it right now uh, too much, but uh, I will have a book that will be available and uh, I'll be doing an ebook first. I don't think we'll publish quite a few of them and then we'll see what happens. Uh, A lot of them them is giveaways. But uh, one of the things I'm talking about is uh, a fellow by the name of Dr. Stern. Yeah. Dr. Stern uh, started forgetting things and started putting post-it notes and, you know, had to remember he's a surgeon, by the way. And uh, he has now retired at 65 because he has dementia. Uh, Rosalind Carter today, it was announced, has dementia, but she's in her late 90s. So uh, Raquel Welch, uh, it was not known. I mean, I remember seeing a picture of her before she died. She gained an awful lot of weight. She's, she's beautiful for years and years and years. Like, what the hell happened? Well, she got dementia and Alzheimer's. It is, uh, it's interesting. Um, I'm also doing a lot of research and correlating uh, illnesses that have dramatically increased for some reason nobody wants to talk about, uh, like Celine uh, Dion. She has a horrible thing. It's called the Stone Man uh, disease. Basically, where bones in your body, you you, you grow another skeleton. and It's, it's going to kill her. Um, and when they try to do surgery and take them out, it just accelerates the growth, and it's just, you're, you're screwed. But um, it used to be one in a million that would get these things. So you had three, four hundred people in the U.S. Now it's like two, three, four, five in a million. You know the numbers are really dramatically increasing. I've been reading some legitimate medical journals, and um, I start correlating things. And I just wish I only found one article, and it uh, it's uh, it's not well publicized. I'm not even going to get into it. But there are more and more cowboy scientists and medical people that are saying, okay, why is this happening? And they're starting to correlate the vaccine, did COVID. Okay, who had COVID? Who's, you, just, you just start connecting the dots. Well, the issue now is there's a million potential items of influence for that stuff. I mean, you know, in dirty in, water, dirty air, year, dirty food. In 50 years, so much has changed. I mean, you know, there's radioactive isotopes floating around everywhere because of the detonation of nuclear weapons. There's everybody has microplastics floating through their bloodstream, hanging out in their brain now. Um, you know, we have all of these uh, residual pharmaceuticals and all the municipal water supplies. Everybody's drinking little remnants of all kinds of uh, designer vaccines and drugs and yep. antibiotic. Well, antibiotics degrade, but anyway, you get my point. You know, everybody's getting a little bit of a uh, little bit of AIDS and bipolar medication and stuff like that. Like the whole thing is like, you know, there I is the exponential there's, growth. There's no doubt about that. But what I'm saying, and I didn't make it clear, there's been a spike in the last three, four years of things. Well, yeah, that would be, that's definitely true. But, but, I'm, but I'm just saying in general, it's very difficult to pinpoint what, what is going on because there is so much 
general environmental toxicity that is likely also just building up in people. Yep. No, I, I, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. I just think that I just wish you could get people to get to this point where it's like, uh, do the Rodney King. Can't we just get along? We have to get scientists, you know, researchers to just, you know, cause correlation is not necessarily causation. You've said that for years. I love that phrase. Um, but you need to start looking at correlations in order to find a causation. And uh, of course, no, Wuhan was not the source of the virus, though. That came from uh, Ukraine, as we know from that uh, mega oh, card uh, doctor, or yeah. he had a medical coat. Yeah, he had, a, he, died, he had a lab coat, so that makes him qualified. Now, it's 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 an it's an interesting problem. I mean, in general, we we have a huge huge problem with people are completely unable to hear a differing opinion or position from what their held beliefs are. And they are completely unable to hear out alternative ideas or alternative, an alternative hypothesis. And we've completely lost the ability in important sections of society to just follow the scientific method. Yep. Like, okay, cool. Just because somebody came up with a wacky idea does not mean we need to castrate him and, and burn him alive and ruin his reputation and fire him and all these things. Like, if he's wrong, he's wrong. Who cares? Like, I, I don't understand why people are so upset about ideas. You know, the exchange of ideas and freedom of speech, I thought, were core tenets of our society, but it's obvious that, you know, the... Uh, the kind of people who live and vote in this society today, uh, they just want to hear the same broken record on repeat for their entire lives because that's what makes them feel comfortable. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's extremely disappointing and it's extremely disheartening as someone who is just shy of 30 years old. It's uh, having a realization that I've read many, many, many other people have there. 60s, 70s, and 80s, and the future is uh, not looking any brighter, in my view. It's it's quite depressing, to be honest. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's an interesting problem that has infected not just... I mean, regular society is what it is. It's, generally speaking, toxic and full of idiots most of the time anyway. That's always been the case, right? Um, it's part of democracy is wrangling public sentiment because most people don't know what the people who know things know, Right. So it's a matter of educating and convincing people to get on board with the program. But the issue is, is when these this kind of problem infects your more sophisticated areas of society, and you know, like medicine, like you know, academic researchers with focuses on things like you know, important stuff like engineering and things, and they're more worried about you know what names we use for things and you know not challenging the status quo when the whole idea is that we challenge the status quo you throw up an throw up a wacky hypothesis and figure out how to how to prove it true or false doesn't really matter like hey i came up with this interesting idea can we do it or can we prove one way or the other this is possible or not i don't know let's go for it well the thing is I mean, when some of the people crazy, view some of the biggest advances in in physics and engineering and in medical science have been from people that come up with just the wackiest, craziest ideas. They see if they can figure out how to do it or not. And then well, something comes out of that. Well, some of the biggest advancements in the world come from failure. Yeah. But that's literally a scientific method, you know, fail forward. I think we fail, I'm, fail uh, forward towards progress. I mean, that's what it is. I, I'm going to read something verbatim here because I think it's appropriate how far we have fallen since Steve Jobs in 1997 and the Think Different Apple commercial. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules. You can quote them, you can disagree with them, you can glorify or vilify them. But the one thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. Push the human race forward, while some may see them as crazy, the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the ones who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones who do. We lost that, especially during COVID and a whole lot of other things. This whole Kool-Aid drinking, I'm on the right, he's on the left, and 
I mean, oh, yeah, how I mean, else do you explain these megatards? And I say that with a lot of, with, with, with the utmost compassion, with the <laughs> utmost compassion, these, these, as, as, uh, uh, the guy on, um, st- Stan, whatever is getting I know he's slaughter his name intentionally. I mean, how can you support Putin? <laughs> they literally are supporting Putin. And yeah, you, sh- you know, well, yeah, well, that, that's the thing is, I, mean, is I just, I, I, they don't, my hands are thrown up. I get a, a I get lot it. of them. And I'm it's a cult. Up. It's no, I mean, this is like, this is literally the worst case scenario for a cult of personality. Cult of personality. I love that. They, they will follow the, I mean, I, I'm literally convinced that at some point, if this thing goes the wrong way, that you may have a Jim Jones situation down in Mar-a-Lago and I'm not even, <laughs> and I'm not even joking. Like that wouldn't surprise me in the least. Like they they will deify this they, they will deify this guy and his lack of ideas at some point. Well, hell's bells if they're buying Trump bucks. That's all I can I can buy that one. They bought his <laughs> NFTs. Uh, Every now and then he needs a few million dollars for for pocket change, and he goes out and he has some idiot steal art, literally steal, and then re, you know do some photoshops with it, and then he sells them and he makes another two or five million dollars. He's done this twice in the past year, I think. How refreshing. These are people, these are people that, that, you know, complain and, oh, you know, modern technology is ruining the world. They, they, they think, you know, they're, they, if, if given the option, they would be some kind of Luddite, right? <laughs> but at the same time, they will, they will rush to figure out how to use cryptocurrency to buy an NFT. It's amazing. Yeah, the Luddite who has a, a bucket of iron going to turn it into gold. Yeah, they're going to trade their money for a register and a digital list of, of idiots. Congratulations. It was so refreshing on yesterday to meet Roman, someone. If you bought a hundred or 200, those uh, NFTs, you got to go, you got to be invited to a, uh, a gala at Mar-a-Lago. But he wasn't even there. No, no, no. He was going to be there. He was going to be there. I mean, you had to pay your own travel expenses after giving him like 10 grand. Oh, so you, you had the right to buy into the thing. No, you got a ticket. You just you got, you had to make your way there, though. But I mean, point is just that, like, yes, people will suckers born every day. That's for damn sure. I was trying to say I, how refreshing it was yesterday to meet someone who uh, is an artist who literally said, uh, "What is this NFT stuff?" You know, that was just a great discussion. It's just a scam all day long. I know it does not push the idea forward. Does not put it's 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 a worthless technology. Great for money laundering, though. Well, we have been chit chatting for over an hour. What do you got? Go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say NFTs are great for money laundering. It's one of the reasons the IRS has been on top of anybody who has been uh, uh, claiming interesting uh, out of thin air capital gains from crypto projects. Well, they just moved on from artwork. You know you. Get a piece and you get uh, get it uh, appraised at a massive amount. You donate it. And you you do real well in that kind of stuff. Difference is, it's really difficult to. You need you need two two parties to mm-hmm. make a make a profit. But if you're if you have funny money from illicit activities, it's really easy to invent. You know your magical. Uh, it's called uh, Bob's uh, Bob's puppy dog uh, artwork. You buy your own artwork and you have a magical <laughs> capital gain. It's true. It's what people are doing. They caught a handful of people doing it because they were dumb enough to not properly conceal themselves or whatever, but it's, it's, it's a thing. You know, as I understand, there's a few people here in the, uh, in the area getting ready to go down for that uh, PPP money. Again, they're going to make another round of it. So, yeah, I mean, they're just they're, Hillsborough, Marion, Citrus, Hernando, Pasco, you know, well, you name like, it. Every county in the in the state, every county in the country, they're they're coming for more people. Yeah, you stole money from the government. Yeah, you committed fraud. Dumbasses. In the easiest way possible to prove that you committed fraud too. It's really amazing. Well, listen, I we're we're over an hour. Um, let's wrap this up. I want to next time I want us to do a, a Russia update and then the war update. We'll focus exclusively on that. That's uh, its own I'm, clown show, all in and of itself. So yeah. yes. Yeah, and I, I was I promised I was going to talk about Pancha Villa, and I was going to talk about sure. uh, purging old blackjack, and and uh, I was going to talk about. So let's work that in next time about uh, how the Russians in Ukraine who are doing their Pancha Villa attacks. Uh, I think that's hilarious. I just 
not hilarious, but it's just, I think it's a interesting. It pierces the veil on so many fronts. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. But one of the things we were talking about, and I'll wrap this up, we were talking about some of the rockets that those guys make, and we saw that motorcycle with the sidecar. Yeah. They had that, uh, whatever that rocket was. You, you would a, know what it, it is. A, it was a recoilless rifle on, they welded a uh, stand onto a motorcycle with a sidecar. Right. So they can drive around with three guys, basically. I assume they had, uh, like, securing spikes or something welded onto the thing as well. And anyway, they just roll up and shoot a couple things and drive away. Well, from there, it is funny how the brain works. Um, we, you showed me that. We watched the video and all that. And it reminded me when I was a kid that I used to, we used to launch rockets. Sure. Uh, and the Estes, it's, uh, whatever the proper name, we used to always call it Estes Rockets. And uh, they're still around. They're still around. They're still making rockets. And uh, if you weren't a kid in the 70s and 60s, as I was, 60s, and you bought the little E1 rocket and all that, uh, I saved my, my money from my, uh, I, I, had a bicycle, I had my paper route and all the other things I did to make money when I was a kid, but I bought my own 10-speed bicycle. I had the first 10-speed bicycle. came from England. came from Nottingham, England. It was called a Robin Hood. It was, a, it was fantastic. And, uh, but I bought the Apollo spaceship, and I had the big one. <laughs> Boy, when this thing went up, and it had like, I don't know what the alphabet, but I think it was like A rockets or D rocket. They were just huge. Okay. And up it went and it looked like the damn thing exploded. And it didn't. It, would, it charged off. And then the next one went up and then it had yeah, the, the parachute. And multiple stages. And multiple stages. That's so cool. cool. Um, I launched it like three times. And I got a third time, one of the rockets engines blew and it Blew my, blew my rocket ship, just like uh, the Apollo 1 or whatever it was back in the day. <laughs> uh, I had a malfunction. Uh, NASA, we have a problem here. and um, But it was so cool. The whole neighborhood would come out, and uh, that thing was just massive. Uh, I had to build my own special rocket uh, launch pad for it. Had to have a big, long, uh, gosh, come here. I think well, Mr. Sheaf, I think he made me my long, a uh, piece of metal, I could get it up in the air because you I didn't have anything long enough because you had to, you know, you had to have a little tube and you had to have like a straw and you had to go up on the thing. It was cool, but I, I looked it all up. Man, they're still making rockets. They're making rockets with with astro cams with little cameras on them so you can watch your. Uh, That's your pretty thing. cool. Yeah, it, it's absolutely so cool. But I said to you, where the hell do you launch those things now? Probably have to get a, you know, uh, probably have to get some kind of a permit now just to launch your rocket. I don't know. I know with drones, they don't want you going above 400 feet, something like that, three, 400 feet. Well, the other thing that I, I showed you, and, and ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all, if you get a chance, just go to YouTube and look at some of these homemade rockets that these guys have done out in the, uh, out in the, the Salt Flats and in, in the uh, Mojave and in Death Valley. Holy crap, these guys have made. Well, it's he, no well before you say, this guy made a three-quarter scale of the mercury rocket and took john glenn into space yeah three quarters and this thing is like just this is absolutely amazing well i mean this is this is the thing with technology right is that you know people want to regulate certain things and whatever but there's almost nothing that most people with enough uh uh time on their hands and obviously (laughs) some of these things require a decent amount of money for accurate machining tools and the experience and all that sort of stuff and the materials to do it. It's not that hard. I mean, it's, it was, it was a little bit of creativity. It was an achievement. Well, it's not about creativity. I mean, this is like you're following very well known things that people who had creativity figured out. Now you just need to follow the, you know, perfect, perfect accuracy to be able to build these things. It's really impressive though, that you have people that do the stuff in their, their, free time as a hobby um, because people have forged a way forward. The thing that is interesting though, is that the most of the, I remember seeing something about this years ago, um, but the, the American in the United States before the rocket age, mm-hmm. uh, there were rocket clubs all over the country. Oh yeah. And because people were experimenting and there was no money from the government and any of this stuff, because 
They didn't. Re- they didn't figure. They didn't realize that they could use this stuff to bomb people yet. So this was literally like rich backyard hobbyist things, and they. This, that's where a lot of well, the that's inf- Orville and Wilbur Wright, your mother's oh, side of the family. I mean, abs- that's that's absolutely. Kenda. That's your Ken. Absolutely, but but rockets in particular are interesting because they were happening around the same time that people were figuring out flight. Rockets were going on. Mm-hmm. Like they were being discovered in parallel. It's very. It's it's just interesting as far as timing goes. You know, it's insane compared. F- flying is interesting by itself, but you know, rockets are a whole other thing. Oh yeah, let's let's literally strap a bomb onto something <laughs> and see if we can control it. Let's see how far we can get up. How we get back? Well, we'll figure that out. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll, my point of saying all this was so we had another one of those megatards was saying that the U.S. is doing all of the uh, drone. Uh, I got this video. I have to show it to you. Uh, that we are doing all of the manufacturing of all the drones that are dropping the grenades and everything. We're, we're doing all of that. The Ukrainians are stupid. They couldn't figure this stuff out to save their lives. And I thought, oh, my God, we could just do a whole podcast on just that one thing. Yes, the whole world's stupid, and only us, we're the only ones that can do things. Yeah, I don't think so. Not quite. Not quite. Okay, I guess it's time to get out of here. What do you say, Rocco? Done? Do Done. <laughs>